are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I, uh, I have a friend who attends church here. His name is Steve, and he and his wife, Gwen, live part of the year in Oklahoma City. The other part of the year, they live in Alaska. And so he sent me a text yesterday, and he said, you know, when we're at our home in Alaska, we drive six miles to church on Sunday mornings on a snowmobile, not enclosed, in the dark. The temperature is usually somewhere around 20 below zero, and it's usually snowing. He said, so I just wanted to let you know that in light of the weather tomorrow, we'll be at church. Yeah. Kind of a matter of perspective, right? I, I'll tell you, I, I was not raised in Oklahoma. And so, um, to be honest with you, when the temperatures are as cold as they you know, are today and were yesterday, and when you add to it the Oklahoma wind, it is just an added feature, isn't it? I mean, cold is one thing, but cold and wind, wow. Still getting used to Oklahoma, I think. I was taught in seminary, never start your sermon with a weather report, and I just violated that rule. So forgive me. I should preach, shouldn't I? Annette and I years ago were being talked to about a potential transition into another role in ministry. And we weren't sensing that God was asking us to do that. We were praying about it and trying to determine God's will. And there was a, a general church leader in town, not here where we were living then. And he said to me, well, maybe we should at least just go to dinner and, uh, and talk a little bit. And so we did, and it was great to spend time with him. And in the course of dinner, he said, let me talk to you about how God often speaks to me. And this was not by any means meant to be an end-all conversation on how God speaks to people, but it was a good conversation. He said, God tends to speak to me in various ways. And he said, one way that God speaks to me is often through people who are you know, godly counselors. So a person that I might believe this person has a great walk with God, have a lot of confidence in them. And maybe there's times when I go to them and ask them to pray with me or to counsel me. And he said, often God speaks to me through those people. And I understand that. There's been times I've walked away from a conversation with somebody and God said, hey, I want you to hear that. That's, that's what I want for you. He said another way that God sometimes speaks is through people in authority over me. So we don't talk a lot about authority in the church, but there certainly is authority in the church. And we hope people in authority never abuse their authority. But there's been many times that I've gone to a church leader who is over me, who oversees me, and, and, and I have counseled with them, or maybe they have prayed for me, or maybe I've heard them preach and God spoke to me through them. So I get that completely. He said, another way is through open doors. The door wasn't open before. Now the door's open. And God is saying, walk through it. I, re I remember being at my house years ago, and we had a bunch of people in our backyard, and we were having a cookout. And somebody said to me, by the way, did you know that this church just came open? It was in Cincinnati. And I felt like in that moment, God spoke to me. I, I left that conversation. I went in my house. I went down the hall to my bedroom. I closed the door and I got on my knees beside my bed and I said, God, what are you saying to me? 
I ended up moving to Cincinnati. Sometimes God speaks through open doors. He said, there's other times where God speaks through this inner voice. It, it, it's like just, just in my conscience, in my thoughts, in my heart, I sense God is leading me or directing me. And, and that's the way God sometimes calls and speaks. You just, in your heart, you find this point of, I know this is what I should do. God is just making that clear to me. I just, there's this inner voice that's just saying, you should go or you shouldn't go. He said, but the most objective way, the most objective way that God speaks to us is through his word. He said the most objective way that God speaks to us is through his word. And so the conversation was helpful. And when I was thinking about it recently, I thought about the Hebrew writer in chapter one, verse one. Here's what he says. You're going to love this. He goes, in the past, God spoke to us through his prophets and in various ways. So if you ask, well, what is a various way? I would say when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, that would qualify as a various way, wouldn't you? He said, but in these last days, prophets, various ways, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus. And then Jesus says to his disciples later, I'm going away, but it's okay because the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. He will lead you, he will teach you, he will comfort you, he will help you, he will be with you. And so here we are in this series that we call The Call. And I said to you last week that I believe that God is calling every follower of Jesus to something. I believe that God is speaking to all of us I believe it's a continual conversation. And it's why I challenged you last week that I think one of the best questions we can ask one another is, what is God saying to you lately? Where do you sense the Spirit is leading you? What, what do you sense the Spirit is asking of you right now? And so here we are in the season of Epiphany. And when I began to look at the passages through the season of Epiphany, I saw not only Epiphany, God revealing himself, but also God revealing his will to people, making his will known. So I don't know if this happens at your house or not, but on occasion, Annette will be trying to talk to me and she will stop mid-sentence and say, Rick, it appears to me that you are either trying to respond to an email or a text. And I would really like for you to listen to me. And so I have to put the phone down and say, you're right, I'm sorry, I'll listen to you. Just the other day, a coworker came into my office. I've got my phone and my laptop. He's trying to talk to me and I'm kind of looking at everything. And I went to him later and said, I'm sorry, you were in my office and I had everything in front of me and I should have closed it and pushed it to the side and given you my attention. I want you to forgive me if you will. He was so gracious. But that's what I think this is all about, especially our text today. God is wanting to speak. I think the question is, are we willing to listen? Are, are we leaning in to hear the voice of God? Because this is what I believe. I believe that God is looking for people who will listen 
and answer his call. I believe with everything in me that God is scanning today. God is, God is looking for people today who will listen to him and, and answer his call. So I want to take you to 1 Samuel chapter 3, okay? And we're going to start with verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 3. And I'm going to read those words to you in a moment. But you may be asking, well, if you're starting with chapter 3, what happened in chapter 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2? And that's a great question. And so I'm going to pull up my, my stool here and I'm going to sit down because to tell you what happens in 1 and 2 is to tell you two stories. So are you, are you like, okay, tell us a story, Uncle Ricky. Okay, here we go. There was a guy whose name was Elkanah. He had a wife, and her name was, anybody know? Hannah. Hannah was very sad because she was unable to conceive and have a child. Every year, Hannah and Elkanah would go to the temple at Shiloh, or to the house of God, rather, at Shiloh, and they would worship, and they would offer sacrifices. One year... At the house of God, Hannah made a vow to the Lord. She said, you know that I'm not able to conceive and bear a child. If you will give me a son, I will give him to you for all the days of his life. Now, she meant it literally. Guess what happens next in the story? Hannah conceives, and she gives birth to a son. And you know what she names her son? Samuel. You know what Samuel means? God has heard. After the boy is weaned, we think maybe he might be three or four years old. She literally takes him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And she stands in front of Eli the priest and she says, I made a vow to God that if he would give me a son, I would give that son to him. And I meant it. And I will keep my word. And she leaves young Samuel at the house of the Lord with the high priest, Eli. So that's the first story. And I want to make a note right there. Don't get any ideas. You cannot drop your kids off here and leave them for us to raise. We leave the office every day at 5 p.m. You have to raise your own kids. Here's the second story. Eli, that high priest, had two sons. One's name was Hophni, and the other was Phinehas. Now, if you're thinking about claiming one of those names for your son, I would, I would pause. Because the Bible says that they were scoundrels. If your mama says you're a scoundrel, you may or may not be. But if God says you're a scoundrel, you're a scoundrel. The Bible says they had no regard for God. And the Bible also says that their sin was great in God's eyes. Two things. They slept with, had sex with, the women who worked at the entrance of the tent of the meeting, and they also abused the offerings that were brought to God with contempt. In other words, they kept all the choice offerings for themselves, and if the person bringing the offering objected, they would take them by force. The Bible says God knew in his heart that Samuel, rather Eli, the high priest, knew what his sons were doing. And so God sends a prophet to confront Eli. And he says, why do you honor your sons more than me? You know how they're living and what they're doing and how they're blaspheming against me. 
And then God says, I declare that no one in your family will live to be an old age and both of your sons will die on the same day. I will judge your house, Eli. And then I will raise up for myself a faithful prophet, a faithful priest. You are a priest, but I will raise up a faithful priest who will have my heart as his heart. Now that gets us ready for chapter three, verse one. You ready? Here we go. So you have a lot of background for the story. And so you're going to know what I'm about to read. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Remember, he showed up around four years old. Eli is basically raising him. He's like his father. He ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, wow, this is hard right here. In those days, the, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. The Lord called Samuel, not Eli. The Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not, go back and lie down. And so he went and lay down, and again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, and he ran to Eli, and he said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back, lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. But a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that it was the Lord calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. You remember what he spoke against his family? Nobody in your family will live to be old age. Your two sons will die on the same day. I will raise up a faithful priest from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed to God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. So Samuel lay down until morning. And then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision. But Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? What, what, what did God say? 
Eli asked. Don't hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything that he told you. And so Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. And then Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. Eli knew. What is he going to say? What's his defense? He knew. So lean into the next few words. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. He became a prophet. That means that all of his prophecies came true. And all Israel came from Dan, the northern part, to Beersheba, the southern part. They recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So this is the word of God for the people of God. The people said, thanks be to God. I, I think it was a, a lady who was attending our church at the time who walked up to me with a, a newspaper clipping, kind of tattered. She said, uh, I know you love stories. I thought you might love this one. And this was the story. Uh, there was an abbey, and every evening, all the monks would come together for a service of worship, singing, scripture, prayer. And so they lamented the fact that they didn't have any trained voices and they lamented the fact that none of the voices were very beautiful. However, every night they would still gather together and sing songs of worship to God. One day there was big news. We're having a guest, a visitor, will be in one of our services. A trained voice, a voice that is renowned. And so there was a buzz. Everybody was excited about this special evening when they would come to worship and there would be a beautiful voice to sing. And so the evening occurred, and they loved it. It was everything they dreamed it would be. And that night, the abbot had a dream. An angel appeared in the dream and said, what happened? Every night, up in heaven, we can't wait for your music to rise in worship to God. And the abbot said, there has to be a mistake. Usually we don't have beautiful voices to sing, but tonight we had a trained vocalist. The music was beautiful. And the angel said, hmm, in heaven, we heard nothing. It's a picture of the nation of Israel. It's a picture of the house of God at Shiloh. It's a picture of the deterioration of a nation. At Shiloh, they had prayers to recite. At Shiloh, they had songs to sing. At Shiloh, sacrifices were made. But the revelation of God was not to be known. God seemed distant. Let, let, let me paint the picture of that for you, okay? As far as we know, we think Samuel is about 12 years old. Unreal, huh? About 12 years old. It's hard to believe that this happens to a boy this young, but according to a 
historian whose name is Josephus, we think we can date this time in Samuel's life as this young 12-year-old boy. Now, Eli was 98, according to chapter four, the next chapter. He was 98 years old. Hannah drops him off at the house of the Lord. He's gonna grow up there under Eli the priest, and he's gonna minister there in the house of the Lord. And so, that's what it looks like. But there's this notation that says, the word of the Lord was rare. In other words, there was no prophetic word from God. Do you think it's that God didn't have anything to say to his people? I don't think that's the case. Because when you place it in context with history, at the close of the book of Judges, we get these words. The very last words in the book of Judges says, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. In other words, they had ceased to follow God. They had turned their backs on God. God's word was no longer dominant in their life. God's word was no longer authoritative in their lives. And as a nation, they wrote their own rules. They created their own moral codes. They became their own God. And when you get to chapter two, you find out that there is no spiritual leadership. Eli and his sons have become wicked. And it's become all about them, not about God. Has there ever been a time in your life when you say, Rick, I kind of turned my back to God a bit? It was all about me. God's word didn't have the place it should have had in my life. And I didn't hear from God much. I wasn't listening. Well, one night, everything changes. One night, what's going on? Eli's in his usual place of sleep. The young boy Samuel is sleeping near the ark of God. And, and, and the word says that the, the lamp of God had not yet burned out. I brought a picture of a menorah to show you. This is what it would have looked like standing there beside um, the shrine that housed the ark of God. There would have been seven candles in the holders, and they would light it at evening, and it would go out before morning. And so he's trying to give us context to say before morning, God speaks to Samuel. I think you need to understand that God does not speak to Eli. God calls Samuel. God does not call Eli. Why doesn't God call the high priest Eli? I think God would say, I've been calling Eli and he hasn't been listening. I've been talking to Eli and he hasn't been obeying. I've been trying to get Eli's attention, but Eli's not hearing me. And so I'm going to talk to somebody that is willing to listen and it ends up being a 12-year-old boy. He jumps up and he runs to Eli. You called? No, I did not. Go back and lie down. <laughs> God calls Samuel again. He runs to Eli. You called? I did not. Go back and lie down. A third time he calls. I did not call you. Go back and lie down. There is this note, and I feel like that's what it looks like in the passage when you read through it. It's like this post that I'll put over here to the side just to let you know that Samuel did not yet know the Hebrew, yada. The Lord. 
Yada is not a personal knowledge. It is a, I mean, it is a personal knowledge. It's not a cognitive knowledge. It is an intimate knowledge of someone. It is a relational knowledge. And, and here's what I want to say to you right here. This is the issue, that, that Samuel was in the house of the Lord since he was three or four. He was doing all the religious things, but he didn't know the Lord. There's a difference in religion and relationship with God. You can hang around the church all your life and not have a personal relationship with the God who created everything. There's a difference in being religious and having a personal relationship. You can be religious about almost anything. There's a difference in religion and relationship. And so Eli realized that it was the Lord calling the boy, and he said, if he calls again, say, speak, for your servant is listening. Let me show you again. May I? This is what God said. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, for I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God, and he failed to sustain them. Why do you want to read it to us again, Rick? Because I want to say something. Could you look me in the eye for a minute? Sometimes God asks us to do something that is hard to do. What God asks of us is sometimes really hard to do. God, that's hard. I'm telling you, if he goes to Eli, this man that has raised him, he's been like a father to him, this is not going to land well. You want me to tell Eli that nobody in his family is going to live to be old and his sons are going to die on the same day? He's going to be dethroned as the priest and God is going to raise up a faithful priest. In his That's not going to go over well, God. I'm praying for the right words right now. The word of God is often not popular. There are times when people don't want to hear the word of God. Sometimes I ask myself, does anybody really want to hear this stuff? I, I know what somebody wants to hear and they're, they don't want to hear this. I remember one time a lady said to me in the four year, years ago, she says, uh, Pastor Rick, I've been doing this, and do you think it's wrong? I was trying to be careful with her, you know? I said, well, I, I believe if it is wrong, the Holy Spirit will speak to you. She said, oh, he's already doing that. I think she was wanting a second opinion. I, I don't want to hear that it's wrong. How, how can I say it? Your values as a follower of Jesus and my values as a follower of Jesus 
are at odds with our culture. We don't blend in. But our values are based on God's word. And if you ever feel like you stand out, you're supposed to. If you ever feel like you don't blend in with your culture, that's what is supposed to be happening. If you ever feel a bit odd, you're supposed to. Because the values that God has us to embrace is not the way of this world. So, Annette and I were, um, were sitting at home on Friday night. We were upstairs in our bonus room, and there was this noise, lots of like clanging or something, and our house shook, 9.30 Friday night, and we thought something hit our house. No idea what it was. I'm even thinking it could have been a car. We run downstairs to see what has happened, and it takes us a bit to process that it's been an earthquake. How many of you felt it? Yeah. So I loved what Nick Robertson, our worship pastor, posted on Facebook. He said, I'm at home, 9.30, Friday night, and I'm writing and arranging music for Easter at BFC in a couple of months. And he says, while I'm playing this music, a 3.3 magnitude earthquake hits the epicenter right where I'm at. And he said, boy, is Easter going to be amazing at BFC this year? I guess expecting an earthquake every time he plays that music, you know. Here's the truth. Sometimes God breaks into our lives and our world shakes. Sometimes God breaks into our lives and our world is shaken. And, and poor young Samuel now has to decide, am I going to obey and tell Eli or am I not going to tell him? But here's what he does. He responds entrusted with a call and he responds in obedience. Here, here's where I'm at this morning. What is God asking of you? Are you listening? And are you responding with a yes? Do you know that I have so many stories in my mind of people who have sat in this room on a Sunday morning and God called them and they said yes? And they've gone everywhere you can imagine and done everything you can imagine. And it wasn't always easy. But they found life because they responded with a yes. Is your answer yes to God today? So Father, this is what I'm asking you. Would you give us grace, all of us, Lord, to say yes? I believe that over these weeks, you are speaking to us and you are calling us and you are making your will known to us. I, I, I believe that there's many of us this morning that you are speaking to and you're expressing, this is, this is what I want you to do. But Lord, to do what you're asking us to do, we need grace. 
to overcome fear, we need grace. To be able to set our own agendas to the side, we need grace. To be able to respond like a young boy named Samuel, we need grace. We need your help. And so, Lord, we open our hearts this morning to you admitting and acknowledging our need of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing together. And I think you know this, but I want to say it to make sure that you know this, that even if we don't have one of those formal times when we say, come forward for prayer this morning, the altar here is always open and available. If you ever want to pray at the altar, you're always welcome to pray and encouraged to pray at the altar. Let's sing together.
that is our prayer today. trust you more and more each day and to dive further into your love for each one of us. We thank you that you continue to speak to us. We long to hear your voice above the noise of everything going on around us to draw closer and closer to you. To give you all that we have. And when it may look a little weird to those around us, to the world, know that that's what you've called us to and your calling is so much greater it's so strong so accurate thank you for the ways that you speak to us the moments like these that we can gather together to bless holy and precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Once again, we're so glad that you have come today to worship together. Pray God's blessings upon each one of you as you leave this place. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.